And uh, let's go ahead and pray and um, get into our study today. Father God, thank you so much for your word that it never turns back void, that it accomplishes its work in our hearts and minds, and that it's powerful and alive and sharper than any two-edged sword, able to discern our thoughts and intentions, and, and that, uh, Lord, you love us, and you gave us your word, Father God, so that we can know that you love us, God. I thank you that <clears throat> you don't leave us in the dark in a field, Lord, somewhere groping around, Father God. You, you call us to you, and it's a lot of times it's us that are, end up going in that direction, but you keep calling us back to you. You keep uh, waning and, 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 and crying out for us to come back to you, Lord, whether it's our circumstances that draw us to you or you literally bringing people to us, Father God, to remind us that Jesus loves us. I thank you, Father God, for the radical work of, of, of your word and through people. And Lord, I just want to pray right now, Lord, for the other ministries and pastors and teachers and preachers and churches, Lord, that you would just do a great work, Lord, in your body. Lord, I thank you that in the body of Christ, there's no separation of us, Lord. We're all in one family. Praise you for that, Father God. Thank you for each and every person here today. Lord, I pray that um, none of us would leave this place missing out on what you have for us today, God. Lord, um, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We have right now. And uh, just praise you and give you all the glory, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so Acts chapter 19, verse 1 through 22. Title of this message is Miracles Alone Do Not Save Lost Sinners. And you're like, well, what do you mean? You're starting the sermon out with lost sinners. I'm not lost, Brian. I found my way here. And how dare you call me a sinner? So, <clears throat> it's important for us to understand that we all fall short of God's glory, and we all need Jesus to save us, not only from ourselves, but also from the impending doom of once we pass away so that we can actually be with God for eternity. Eternity is at stake in our lives. And so, Paul, we see here, he returns to Ephesus. Um, he had told those that were in Ephesus last time he was there that he would return, and he said, God willing. It's important, you know, for us to say, if we're going to go out and do something, Lord willing, this is going to happen. So we pick back up in Acts chapter 19 about Paul's adventures in Ephesus the second time around. Verse 1, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. So right away, Paul comes back to Ephesus, and he finds some disciples and uh, he, he hangs out with them. And then there's this conversations that obviously happen. I, we don't know exactly how long he was with them for. And uh, so we see here in verse two, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. Verse 5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Verse 7, now the men were about 12 in all. It's interesting what occurs here. These, <clears throat> these are followers of Jesus Christ. Who ha but however, these folks, these, these, these 12 uh, people 
had an old view of God's plan for their life. Um, similar to how Apollos was, Apollos was before Aquila and Priscilla taught him about Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ fulfilling uh, of the Old Testament scriptures, that the Messiah had come. So these people, they, they believed that in, 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 in the Lord, they believed um, in, in John the Baptist's testimony that, that a, a Messiah was coming. To, to repent from your old ways for the kingdom of God is at hand. That, that was John the Baptist's message to people. In other words, get your life right. Jesus is coming on the scene. That's basically what, what John the Baptist would share with people. And then they would be baptized. He baptized people in that sense. But Christ had not come before. So had not come yet in, during John the Baptist's ministry. And so John was a herald. He was, he was speaking of what was going to occur. In other words, he was telling people that the Messiah was going to come. But in Acts chapter 19, we already know that Jesus, in the, in the New Testament, Jesus had already, he'd already uh, been born. He'd already uh, uh, been alive 33 years. He'd already been um, done miracles. He, he had already preached all of the sermons that Jesus had preached. He'd already proved that he was God incarnate. He had already been beaten um, and arrested and, and, and crucified on a cross and, and buried again. And three days later, raised from the dead. And, and hundreds of people actually saw Jesus. I witnessed his resurrection. And so all of this had already occurred, but there were still people that had not heard of this yet. And, and they were uh, living out their following of God under the teaching of John the Baptist. And Apollos, which we had read prior to Acts 19, had been doing the same thing. And so Paul sees these men, well, we just say they're disciples. We don't know if they're men or women. Most likely they were men. Um, and, and, and so it's interesting how uh, these disciples, they had an understanding of the teaching, like I mentioned, of John the Baptist, to be prepared for the Christ who is coming to take away the sins of the world. Yet they had not yet received salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. They didn't know that Christ had already come. They didn't know that the Messiah had already fulfilled all the prophecies of the Old Testament. And it's interesting how Paul inquires about them receiving the Holy Spirit when they believed. And so something had been going on with either their way they operated or how they acted or what they talked about that caused Paul to question them. Maybe it was because there was no evidence of the Holy Spirit in their life. We don't really know. Um, but what we do know is that something gave Paul the reason to question if they had received the Holy Spirit when they believed. See, in this era of the church, it's important for us to note that the New Testament did not exist yet. Okay, We're in Acts and the New Testament is unfolding in fact, what we read today in the New Testament, like here in Acts, all of this was unfolding during these missionary journeys that Paul was on. So there was a need for a defining moment in a believer's life for them to know that they were indwelt with the Holy Spirit. At the time, this seemed to be the gift of speaking in tongues and the gift of prophecy. 
Sometimes it happened in prayer and worship, like in Acts chapter 2. If you want to go and read about the day of Pentecost, there was a special situation that had happened when the disciples, 150, were, were together, and, and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. It says like tongues of fire, and then they started speaking in different languages. And a lot of people just focus on the speaking in tongues, and it's the miraculous thing, and that's the sign of the Holy Spirit. But if you get stuck there, you lose on what really God was doing, and what God was doing was causing this miraculous thing to happen so that everybody else who was already gathered in uh, Jerusalem at the time from all over the whole world that spoke languages heard their own language and they were amazed and it gave opportunity for the gospel to be preached and 3,000 people came to know the Lord. That's why the title of this message is Miracles Alone Do Not Save Lost Sinners. Sometimes in churches we see that the focus is miracles and miracles and prophecy and speaking in tongues and all these different gifts and the reality is, is all that does is bring the focal point and the spotlight on what man might do not on what God does. Later on in this message today, we're going to actually hear about Jesus speaking to the 70 who went out. And it's a really great piece. And I believe it dovetails in with what's going on here. In our lives today of being able to focus on what is important, and that's the salvation of people. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not negating or discounting any miraculous things that God might do because I've witnessed those things personally myself. But the focus in my life needs to be my Savior, Jesus, and the focus in your life needs to be the same thing. We need to always be preaching the gospel to ourselves. There's other times in the Bible where it happened that uh, people, as they made a decision to follow Christ, such in Acts chapter 10, verse 44 and 45, this is Peter who was preaching at Cornelius' house. No laying on of hands had ever happened at all. And while Peter was preaching, the Holy Spirit poured out uh, upon them and the hearers of Peter's sermon. And it's important for us to understand that there was always salvation the saving of souls directly related to the evidence of this type of pouring out of the Holy Spirit. See, God does not operate his gifts to put man in the spotlight ever. That's not, that's backwards. So this outward expression of evidence was also for those around them to be drawn into a thinking of what is going on. Then the hearing of the gospel giving way to folks making a decision to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. These speaking in tongues nor prophecy were ever, never, ever for the glory of man. It always pointed to Jesus Christ and always glorified God for the purpose, one purpose, of drawing people into a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. There's no other purpose for it. Today, we know that we receive the Holy Spirit at the time of conversion, not by signs and wonders or even by feelings. Now, hold on to your seats, you guys. Some of you are like, well, where are you going with this, Brian? I, I've, I've got this spirit-filled life. I feel the Lord. I, 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 I hear things from him. I, I, I believe that he speaks to me in signs and different things. But listen, you read through the account of Gideon, miraculous. You read through the account of other Old Testament people that the Holy Spirit wasn't even inside people yet. God can do anything he wants to do, okay? He is not confined to your mind or my mind. He's not confined to your emotions or my emotions. He's not confined to the outcome of your life. He's outside of those things. 
But we do have to understand one thing, that he always purposefully brings glory to himself when he's really in the middle of something. Never will it be glory to ourselves. And it's important for us to be founded on the word of God in all aspects of our lives, especially when it comes to supernatural spiritual gifts. There's counterfeits out there. We're going to read about that in this more, more in, in this section of scripture in Ephesians. Ephesians, the, 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 the city of Ephesus, the town of Ephesus was absolutely evil. They were steeped deeply in witchcraft and magic. And we'll see here what happens. This, the, the, we're just getting into the beginning of what happened in Ephesus. I couldn't even get into what occurs after verse 22. This whole town went crazy over what happened through the ministry of Paul. The enemy always tries to step in and derail what God is doing in people's lives. We have to always be careful to be wise as serpents and meek as doves, to be aware of our surrounding, to be aware of what's at hand. And what is at hand is the eternity of our soul. But like I started reading, today we know that we receive the Holy Spirit at the time of conversion. When you make a decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, the Holy Spirit fills you. Like I said, it's not always by, it's not by signs or even by feelings, but by the proof, listen, of the New Testament scriptures. Because I'm sorry, my mind is broken. My feelings are always like this. The outcomes of my actions are never the same, but God's word is the same always. It is absolutely trustworthy, 100%. And so we can believe and we have proof through the New Testament, the moment that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit. You receive the sincerity of the Holy Spirit. You receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and you are baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. There's something miraculous that happens in a believer's life. You become part of a family, a family that has eternity written in their hearts. Nothing else outside of the church, and I mean church people, not church building, can compare to it. I have brothers and sisters that I've met once in my life and they're from a different country and they speak different languages and I feel like I've been with them on Thanksgiving every day of my life. And God writes that inside of a believer's life. There's a supernatural community that the Holy Spirit gives to the church and nothing can compare to it outside. But the world and Satan and his demons want to counterfeit that and draw people away from that. And we'll see here how there's counterfeits that even came about in this section of Scripture in Ephesians. Again, please note this as well. I'm not denying or stating that there's a denial that in a believer's life, there are times after conversion that the Holy Spirit gives an anointing for specific tasks. There is no denying that the Holy Spirit often comes upon an individual in a sovereign manner, empowering them for special ministries, giving them great boldness in the faith, and pouring out upon them a passion for souls. Why did Jesus come to the earth? To do miracles? That just proved he was God. I think sometimes he did it just to throw it in the face of those that denied him. I mean, he, didn't, he, he could just say he was God. And that was it. 
and make everybody believe. But he, he caused people to be drawn to him. He gave people substance and purpose to believe in him. But beyond that, his purpose was to fulfill what the Father wanted to accomplish in all of our lives that we lost when Adam and Eve decided to rebel against God. And that was because all of mankind without Jesus is literally separate from God. None of us can have a relationship with God unless Jesus is the center of that. None of us can have a relationship with God unless Jesus is the Lord of our lives. So there's this eternity that's at stake in our lives. Listen to Jesus' words to the 70, like I mentioned prior, after they had returned, exclaiming about their great experience. So again, in the context of gifts, in the context of supernatural ministry, in the context of these things, I want us to look at what God himself, the Son of God, speaks to these 70. It's very important here. Luke chapter 10, verse 17 through 20. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. We kicked the demons in the face, basically. And listen to what Jesus said to them next. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample serpents and scorpions and over all power of the enemy, and nothing shall be by any means hurt you. Verse 20 is where he takes it home. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. In other words, don't rejoice in the gifts that I give you. That the spirits are subjected to you. Don't rejoice in that, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That's the purpose. The purpose is that all of us have eternity in our lives. We all have a soul. It goes beyond what you think. It goes beyond what you need to eat for food. It goes beyond your bills. One day we are all going to die. I'm sorry to say that. It's a fact. And when we die, we, we enter into eternity. And we will either be eternally separated from God or we will be eternally with God. And so you see here in Luke, Jesus himself is saying, look, even Satan, he fell like lightning from heaven. And Satan was the most beautiful being ever created that had a purpose in heaven. And he looked at God and he said, I want your throne. And he was thrown out of heaven because of his pride. And so Jesus is correlating. It's, think about how heavy that is. Here's these disciples that had gifts given to them by God. And they come back to God saying, God, look at what we did. And he says, don't be like Satan. That's serious. Don't look at these things. They cause pride and boastfulness and arrogance. And there's an arrogance in the church today that is focused on things that aren't godly. And it causes people to be drawn away into things that aren't about God. And they're not about the Bible. And they're not about salvation. They're about man building a kingdom to bring glory to man and not to Jesus. And Jesus himself said to these people, that exact thing is what he's saying to them. Don't glory in those things. Leap for joy because you're not going to hell. Leap for joy because you're saved. Leap for joy because I hold you. This whole statement about that Jesus says here, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. So he's recognizing the facts that this is happening. He's not denying that this, this supernatural power is upon them, but he's saying, don't even worry about that, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven and our names being written in heaven, this greatest miracle in human history that could ever happen is our salvation. There's no greater miracle than a person being saved. 
And any of us in this room who have a real relationship with Jesus can relate to this, that you lay in bed at night and you're like, praise the Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you. And then he does work in our lives beyond salvation and starts making us more like him and revealing areas of our lives of weakness so that his strength can be made perfect in us. So what we are to rejoice about is that we will be with God one day if we have made Jesus the Lord of our life. It is what we are to glorify God for the fact that he has saved sinners like us and written our names in heaven. And listen to this, you guys. He keeps you and me and protects our eternity. Once you're saved, you're saved. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he said it's finished, and there's a perfect work that God did for the salvation of the world, and there's nothing you can do to take that away or add to it. Once you make Jesus the Lord of your life, he will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, you may leave him, and you may walk away, and you'll pay consequences. Trust me. I've done that, I'm sure some of you have, and it's not pretty. God's love and grace and mercy draws us back to that place of brokenness and saying, Lord, please help me, I'm sorry. It's amazing that one day we will be with him and that's what we're to rejoice in. Back to Acts chapter 19, verse 8 through 10, it says this, and he went into the synagogue. So again, we're back with Paul, went in the synagogue, and, and he spoke boldly for three months, reasoning, listen, listen to this, reasoning and persuading. I read those words and I think, I haven't seen any Christians reason and persuade to people about the kingdom of God lately. A lot of the church has become passive. But here's Paul reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. Paul was focused on the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of, quote unquote, the way, which is walking with Jesus, the way, the gospel, the way of the kingdom of God, the way of Christianity, that's what the way is. That word way is capitalized in my Bible, and it means the relationship with Jesus, the way walking with God. So here they are, they spoke evil of the way. In other words, they're, they're, they're speaking against Christianity. They're speaking against what Paul is preaching. They're speaking against the kingdom of God. And they're doing it before the multitude, it says. Paul departed, he said he departed from them and withdrew the disciples. So the disciples that had, he had seen with him those 12, they, they, they withdrew with him, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. So again, you see this, Paul is relentless. He is not quitting. He will go wherever he can to build the body up, to preach the gospel, to share about Jesus with those that are around him. So he's, he's, in, he's at the school of Tyrannus. And, and this continued for two years so that all who dwelt, listen, in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. So we see here that Paul, for three months, he reasoned, persuaded, pertaining to the kingdom of God in the synagogue. <clears throat> and this is what's at hand today, the kingdom of God. People's lives, how they think about God is what's at hand. How they think about life is what's at hand how they think about heaven and hell, how they think about salvation and sin and eternity. That's what's at hand today, even in our lives as we sit here in this air-conditioned, double-wide trailer. 
But see, this group had hardened hearts. This group did not believe. Then they started to speak evil of the way to all the people. Quite fascinating. Wherever Paul went, the gospel was going forward, but there was this animosity that was against all that he was doing. So he took these disciples with him to the school of Tyrannus, where he had freedom to teach them daily. And it's believed that Tyrannus was, was a Greek who conducted classes in philosophy. Paul might have had the class area or classroom for half the day or so. And we see here, again, the word of God continued to move forward. The word of God moves forward in intense situations. As we see the world falling apart around us, the word of God is moving forward. God is at work. Don't base your stability on the media, on your feelings, on the outcome of situations. Our stability needs to be in the word of God. God will never let us down. He is always there for us and he loves us and he wants to listen to us and he wants to hear us and he wants to be a part of our lives. And we continue to see here in Acts as there was um, situations against what God was allowing Paul to do in these different, this is his second missionary journey in Ephesus. And, and, and I mean, the second time he went to Ephesus, and again, this intensity rises up. And this, this is a small thing. We'll see later on in Acts, like, like the whole town was in a riot against him. I encourage you to read Acts 19 and come back next week and, and you'll be like, wow. It's just really intense, man. What went on here, there's always an opposition against what God wants to do spiritually, but God is greater than those things. So what is next here? in this scripture is really unique um, to the place in scripture. I don't, I haven't, I, I, you know, I'm not the smartest pastor in the world. I haven't seen anything else like this in scripture, but God really used Paul in this really unique way. And I mean unique like it's this one time. And again, this shows that God can do anything he wants. God's not confined to our own intelligence, praise the Lord. Otherwise he'd be a dumb God because most of our intelligence compared to him is very I'll just speak for myself, not smart. <laughs> I don't want to insult anybody. <clears throat> so what happened next? Very fascinating. Verse 11. Now God worked, listen, unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. So we see that God was doing this interesting thing through Paul, okay? So that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the disease left them and the evil spirits went out of them. That's crazy. You see sometimes televangelism, they're, they're doing all these things with blankets and towels and they're trying to mimic this because that's what man does. Man tries to mimic what God does miraculously to bring glory to themselves, but yet they put the name of God on it. But the reality is, is the Holy Spirit is not doing it. Because remember, when the Holy Spirit does miraculous things, there has to be salvation and glory to God in a, in, 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 in a supernatural way, in a, in a, in a legitimate way. To where when people walk away, they know that it was God doing something, and no doubt. Verse 13, then some of the in, in itinerant Jewish exorcists, you're like, what? Now we're getting into Jewish exorcisms? Like I said, this is an interesting section of scripture. Took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. 
There's something very severe actually about this. Very wrong. Also, there were seven sons of Seba, that's how you say that, a Jewish chief priest who did so. So this is really interesting. So there, there you know, were itinerant Jews that would travel around and they would look for people that had you know, evil spirits in them and they, this was, they, they earned a living, I guess, doing this. But really what is happening here is you see, because, okay, <clears throat> what was going on with Paul was public, okay? Um, the whole, you know, cloths being given to somebody, them being healed, it wasn't in a, in a closet, it wasn't in a small room, it was publicly happening, okay? There was no one denying that God was at work. There was no one denying that this was miraculous. There was no one denying what was going on. This wasn't some secret thing. I love that about God. When God does something, he does it publicly because he wants all people to know that he is God and that he needs to be glorified. And so you see these, these itinerant Jewish exorcists, these, 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 these people, these men these, that were part of, of, uh, of Sevia's family, and, 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 and they start doing this exorcism on this person and they, they use this word Jesus out of context and they throw Paul in there because they think Paul is powerful. These men were actually counterfeits. They weren't the real thing. They weren't the real deal. It's not uncommon when God is using men and women in ministry in a mighty way that Satan sends out counterfeit attacks. Satan works to confuse people, to draw them away from the truth of Jesus Christ. If you are drawn away from the Bible and drawn away from being in fellowship and drawn away from Jesus, you bought a lie from the enemy because God who created the heavens and the earth wants to have a personal relationship with you and his desire for that to happen was all the way back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve fell. And because he's perfect, he knows exactly how all this has to come together for our lives. And so we see this counterfeit, this, this counterfeit uh, 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 um, people trying to do these miracles of God. See, this truth is that there is no other name under heaven by which we are saved. That is the name of Jesus Christ. No. No other, none, not Jesus in your pastor, not Jesus in your prayer partner, not Jesus in anything. It's Jesus, Christ alone. There's nothing that can save us except Jesus. There's nothing else. There was nothing else then during Paul's time. There's nothing else yesterday in the history of our lives. There's nothing else today. There's nothing else nor in the future. Jesus Christ is it. There's nothing else. That's what Paul preached about. I don't think Paul was like, hey, you know what? Hey, you 12 guys, you know, I, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. How can we think of a way for people to get saved? Why don't you just, I'll sweat on something and we'll throw it on them. I don't, I don't think they thought that way. These things were just happening. You know, a lot of times in life, we, God's word says that we make our plans, but God directs our step. 
man, I am so thankful that God directs my steps because I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, I fell off the cliff there, 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 there. I fell on my face. I pr- had a proverbially broke, pr- a proverbial broken back, no offense to anybody. And the Lord mends me the whole way through. If you look at the history of your life and you can't see God carrying you through the drastic times in your life, then I question whether you have been allowing the Lord to be the Lord of your life. He is faithful. He is willing. He is able. And I'm saying when you're on that backside of the issues in your life, I can look back on my life. I can look back on last week and see that even though issues were happening in my life, whether they were myself or, or, or spiritual warfare because of us doing ministry, I can look back and I can see God at work. I can see God at work drawing people to my side to encourage me. I can see God at work. The fact that you're here at church today means that God is at work in your life. There's always a counterfeit trying to take us away from the Lord. It's so amazing. Listen to this, verse 15 and 16. And the evil spirit answered these men after they said, hey, we exercise you by this guy Jesus and this dude Paul who he preaches about. And this demon speaks to them through this guy and said, Jesus, I know. You think about that for a second. All the evil demons in the world and in the world that we don't see knows who Jesus is. They don't know him personally as their savior, but they know him as God, absolute authority. So it's crazy here. Jesus, I know. Could you imagine that? And Paul, I know. (laughs) It's interesting, huh? These demons knew Paul. But who are you? You're nobody. And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overpowered them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. So the guy tore their clothes off and beat them up. These sons of Siva who were proclaiming a false doctrine of salvation. God wins in the end. And even demons know it. That's why everything is against anyone in this world. The world is tailored to draw people away from the saving relationship with Jesus. Crazy. This magic trick that they tried backfired on them. And look what happens next. This is so amazing, you guys. Verse 17, this became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. Like I said, it was a public thing that occurred. And fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. This is crazy. You have to remember that Ephesus was an evil place. They were filled with magicians and they believed in spells to save their life. It was horrible, a horrible place. I love that magic and Satanism and all those things have no place, man, in the face of God. God has absolute authority over those things. God has authority over addictions. He has authority over broken relationships. I personally, I, I, there's a miracle in my, in my family now, man. My sister and I, we've been at odds for a long time because, I don't know, maybe we're just stubborn people. 
But over this last month, there's something that miraculously happened with my sister and I. Like, literally. To where on Father's Day, I told my dad, hey, what do you want? He said, I don't need anything. The greatest gift is you and your sister actually having a relationship now. God is at work. And he wants to mend things. It's not always in our timing. Nine times out of nine times, it's not in our timing. But that doesn't mean he's not at work. So we see here that the Lord Jesus was magnified out of this crazy situation that happened with Paul. And a crazy situation that happened with these dudes that were trying to be this counterfeit. And there was this expression, this outpouring, this action that happened. And many who believed came confessing and telling their deeds. In other words, they started confessing their sins, their demonic attachments, their things that were wrong and evil. And verse 19 is even more amazing. Listen to this, you guys. Also, many of those who practiced, listen, who practiced magic brought their books, their spell books, and they gathered them together. And they burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them. And in total, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. I'm telling you guys, you look at this, just these three, these four verses. And I read this and I'm like, okay, Lord, when you're magnified and glorified in my life, there needs to be a legitimate decision that I make to lay down the things that are of me at your throne, to place them before you publicly even sometimes. I've gone to men that I trust and I've publicly confessed things in my life. They slap me around a little and pray for me and I send me on my way. Not, not literally, they don't slap me around. Not yet. not yet, yeah. But I want you to think about that for a second. What in your life do you hold on to that you practice that could be ungodly? Because today God's asking you to let go of it. He's asking you to, to burn it. Maybe there's something in your house that you need to take in your backyard and burn. I'm not kidding. Maybe it's your phone. Maybe it's your computer. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's alcohol. I don't know. Maybe it's anger. Those are the harder ones, right? Anger, bitterness, selfishness. The things that destroy relationships, those are the harder ones to get rid of because we can't see them. Those seem to be the ones that we just have to be at the Lord's feet and go, God, please, Lord, every moment, please, God. Help me to be loving. What's God asking you to burn at the foot of the cross to get rid of today? It's time to be right with the Lord. These people in Ephesus, I want you to understand this, okay? We, we, I don't think we can grasp, I, I don't practice magic, I practice, well, okay, I used to practice pharmacia, which is magic because I used to be a drug addict, so oh, I, guess I, I guess I did. But we don't, a lot of us in our life, we don't practice what we see here. We're not, we're not these people. But I want you just to grasp what these people were these people were, were raised to depend upon these things for the trust and security of their life. 
And when they came in contact with the true and living God, because they didn't come in contact with Paul. Yes, Paul was a vehicle, but they came in contact with the true and living God. And nothing else was, nothing else mattered. In our lives personally, in my life personally, when, when we walk with the Lord, when we come in contact with Him, when we're walking, everything else that is outside of who Jesus is in our life becomes minuscule. That's why missionaries can sell everything they have and go to some country that they've never heard of before and, 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 and take all their kids with no money and, and do something for the Lord. Because they came in contact with the true and living God and nothing else mattered. They, they sold it all. They got rid of everything. And all of us in this room are in a different place in our walk with God. Maybe some of us know the Lord. Maybe some of us don't know the Lord online or in person here. And the Lord's asking us to get rid of things. Anything that's in the way of our relationship with the Lord, we need to let go of. And yes, I go kicking and screaming. My cousin used to say, yeah, well, you know, we're to alter ourselves right before the Lord. In other words, we're to put ourselves on the altar, sacrifice ourselves, you know, and we're, in other words, like be sacrificial of our lives. And the problem is, is that we're all alive and a live sacrifice always climbs off the altar. So verse 20, so the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. I want you to think about that. The word of the Lord. What's the focus here? Is the focus the miracles? Nope. Is the focus the, uh, the counterfeits? No. Is the focus how great Paul was? No. Is the focus... How horrible the sin was in the Ephesians' lives or the magic? No. Although they felt convicted and brought it all and burned it. The focus is the word of God. The word of the Lord grew mightily and it prevailed. I want you to think about that word prevailed. Do you guys understand what that word means? It means overcome. It means any obstacle in front of doesn't hinder it. Some of us getting out of bed, you're like, yes, I prevailed. of us before our coffee. I can't prevail. Give me coffee. But that word prevail. I love how the, the Holy Spirit allowed the Bible to be written. There's a purpose for all of these words so that we can see the whole totality of God's power in people's lives. And we really should come to a place of like, Lord, I'm undone. You're a mighty God. I need you. I love how this, um, this backfired exorcism brought all these people brought all their attention to Jesus and how mighty he was and is. And this fear fell upon them in this satanically controlled place called Ephesus. A lot of people give Olivehurst a bad rap. I look at Olivehurst and I think this is the breeding ground for a miraculous thing to happen, honestly. And it takes people that are altered by God to pray and to be willing step out in faith and be part of a community and be part of a Bible study and be part of prayer. You know, all this last year, we were all told we need to stay inside and it's people are still kind of a fearful of things, man. 
God has called us to gather together in the name of Jesus. We're used very mightily as we come together under the banner of the Lord. It's amazing what happened here. Verse 21 and 22. When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem. So Paul was planning where he would go next. And he was saying this, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. So Paul's speaking about his time to go back to Rome. And that's a very pivotal piece in Paul's life. We'll see later on. So he sent, to, he, so he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus. But he himself stayed in Asia for a time. It's pretty amazing what happened with Paul. And in closing, I'd like to turn our attention to part of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. It's kind of cool, you know, you go through Acts and then you go through the other parts of the Bible in the New Testament. And we can see some insight here now that we've read what's gone on with the Ephesians and we see Paul here writing. And I want you to think about the people burning their witchcraft and spells and books to be burned after making Jesus the Lord of their Savior. I want you to think about that as I read to you Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Read along with me in the Bible or on the screen. You don't have to read out loud. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. In other words, according to the prince of darkness. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, So he's telling these Ephesians, this is who you used to be. Verse 3, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. I love this. My friend, Pastor Austin, made fun of me once when I read this, but God. No, it was dust, sorry. My mind is too random sometimes. Verse four, but God who is rich, listen, who is rich in mercy because of who? His great love with which he loved us. So the burden is on the Lord loving us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, you and me both folks, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. You guys, can you guys say grace? grace. Where's the food? No, I'm just kidding. So, That word grace, it means, you know what it means? Unmerited favor. You know what unmerited means? It means you did nothing to get it. God just willingly wants to give it to you. See, anything that tells you something different is a counterfeit from Satan himself that wants to destroy your thinking about God. Everything that's against your mind that tells you, God doesn't love me. There's not enough grace for me. I remember my neighbor up at Lake Almond or I ride invite him to church once says, I can't go in there. If I go in a church, the ceiling's gonna fall down on me. I love that man. He's a great guy. He needs the Lord. But we have this misconception sometimes about God's love for us and what the church really is. So again, verse five, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by the grace you have been saved. Verse 6, and raised us up together, listen, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly place. In other words, we are already 
with Christ Jesus. Supernaturally, spiritually, this is our destiny as a believer. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. It's not just grace. It's exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So God's grace and kindness is towards us. Okay? It's, it's, it's like... God is always wanting to go towards you and me. It's us who hinder him. And we read in this scripture here this amazing piece. And this, again, keep in mind, Paul's writing about this, what happened in Ephesus, these people that were, were, were so lost. And he's reminding them of what they have gained. Raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly place in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Ages to come could be now. In other words, everything coming in the future. When we get caught up in the heavens, when we're raptured, we will be able to see and experience the truth of who God is fully, his love. You know, in heaven, there's no sun. The radiance of, of the Lord illuminates the place. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. When you think about that, it's a gift. Not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Write that down, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles here. You can take a Bible home, man. And I'm telling you, like, these types of things, when we read Scripture, we have to look at this and go, this, we just, we just received, all right, Lord, this is who I am, in you. This is what you're giving me. And so Paul was just writing about these folks in, in Ephesus and, and, and what had gone on. And, and, and man, the Lord made them alive and they were dead in trespasses and sins. They were hopeless without God. All of us are hopeless without Jesus. I am hopeless without him. And I don't, I'm not saying that in an abrasive way. It's just truth. And until we come to a place of, of needing God, we won't ever reach out for him. And in and, 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 and Acts 19, these Ephesians, they came to a place knowing that they needed God. And they didn't just go, okay, I need God. They actually did something. So the Lord comes to us in our life and he presents this table before us and he says, come and, and eat with me and, and enjoy a relationship with me. But he's such a gentleman that he waits for you to actually respond. God's never gonna force anybody He'll allow all sorts of circumstances to occur in our life, though, but he's never going to force anyone's hand. He's a gentleman. He loves us. He will always present opportunities in our life to remind us that he is active, alive, pursuing us, and that he loves us. God loves you guys. It's just an amazing text here, man, what happened in, in, in Acts 19. And, and again, I, I encourage you, read Read the rest of Acts 19. It just, it gets even crazier. 
what goes on against Paul and the Word of God. And um, man, it's amazing how the Lord gave us this text and shows us how the church started and how the Lord went through just uh, the Jewish people and then to the Paul and then Paul went to the Gentiles and how scripture, it, 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 the word of God just started growing and now we're in Asia and, and we see that the, the miraculous things that are happening in people's lives and they're, they're laying down the things that they put their trust in for the Lord to work in their lives. So let's do that. And you don't have to do that to show anybody. I mean, it, it, it's something that occurs in our hearts and minds. You know, I, I've, if, let me close there. God, thank you so much for, for your word and for each and every person here. I thank you, Lord, for um, how uh, in Acts 19 here where, you know, these miraculous things were happening, these very unique things, Lord, with Paul and how you allowed us to see that there's counterfeits um, in, in, in the world when it comes to your ministry. People come against it and they try and create things that aren't of you and try and mimic and we know that that's the enemy drawing people away from uh, the truth of who you are. I thank you, Lord, that in your word, we always see, Lord, as these men and women were used by you, that um, the, 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 the theme is glorifying Jesus and the theme is salvation of people and the theme is people's lives being transformed. The theme is not the, the, the miracle. The theme is not the gathering of great many people, thousands of people. That's not the theme. The theme is the transformation of people's lives. And I thank you, Lord, that you are always, always at work in our lives. Lord, I, I, I just pray for each of us here today, Lord, myself included, man, whatever might be in the way, God, you'd help us to lay it down to get rid of it. And for some of us, it's a moment-by-moment -moment thing. And for some of us, it feels helpless and hopeless. And I pray, Father, that you would enter into the hopeless areas of our life, Lord, that we would allow you to have that place, the Lord of our hopelessness. You would be the Lord of our life. I pray that you'd bring healing and mending of relationships, God. Lord, that you would just uh, restore us in areas of our lives, God, that need restoration. And Father, if anybody needs to, you know, talk with anybody today, I pray, Lord, that you would just, um, just allow those things to happen too, God, that you give us courage to reach out. Um, thank you, Lord, for each and every person here. Uh, Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for today and that we get to have a time of fellowship and food after church. I'm just going to pray for meal now, Lord. I pray that you bless it and that uh, thank you for preparing and all those that brought food today, Lord. And um, God, you provide so much, God. And uh, just thank you and give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.